Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Dan Gale. He is a peak performance and well-being coach. He's fascinated by maximizing human potential. He's creator of the six P's peak performance and well-being coaching framework, which brings together decades of experience and multi multiple industries such as business coaching, personal development, psychology, music, events, and marketing. He partners with DJs and producers, as well as business owners, to get the most out of those people. Uh, I'm fascinated by what he does, so I invited him on the podcast. So without further ado, let's dive in and speak to Dan. Hey Dan, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Graham. How about yourself? I'm good, man. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Ah, no worries at all. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really excited about this. Yeah, me too, because I I didn't, like, before we even started speaking, I didn't really know all the stuff you're doing and like obviously I knew you from Little Festival but I kind of didn't really know all the other stuff you're doing it's the other stuff really interesting and obviously Little Festival I know a little, little bit about as well but yeah um I didn't really know about all the other stuff you do which is I'm really interested to hear about it's really cool yeah no thank you um yeah excited to um yeah hopefully add some value to your audience so let's let's start the start let's let's just let you introduce yourself and kind of go through what you do and where you are and who you are and okay. one. yeah go for it um, yeah, so um, going way back, I won't spend too much time there, but um, I grew up partly in London, partly in Suffolk, and uh, yeah, started running a coaching business part-time back in 2012, um, and so then I left my career in finance. I've been there for 10 years, uh, and, I, and then at that point, I pursued the, uh, the coaching stuff full-time. That was from the, the end of 2014. Wow, um, you did that long. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's taken a fair amount of time to actually kind of get some clarity on what I actually wanted my niche to be, um, or my niche is to be. Um, and back then, it was just like very generic, like life coaching. Mm-hmm. And that was really just because I was quite fearful of if I went down into a niche, am I just cutting off all these potential customers? But I, I very quickly learned. A, people want to, you know, come to somebody who, you know, specifically understands their problem. Um, and B, it's important for you to really, you know, be be really into what it is you're doing, um, you know, the, the area of focus. So, yeah, so that kind of evolved into what it is now. And I, I guess we'll touch on that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, so we're kind of on the, the peak performance and well-being coaching. Um, and I work with... DJs and producers, and um, and also business owners, and there's there's actually quite a lot of overlap between the two because the way that I see it is that artists, whether they know it or not, they're actually running their own business where they are the key asset, and so the whole concept of really trying to maximise them as the as- asset and making sure that they're performing at their their highest level over the long run um, is really what it's all about. Um, and then, so once I've, I started the, the coaching, that actually led me to starting Little Festival um, with uh, my friend at the time, Ollie. We were both working in finance in 2013. And um, yeah, basically like water coolers talk. So we, we both love to DJ, we <laughs> like to play out a little bit more, and uh, we both like raving. So yeah, that's how we started it. And I think the interesting thing on that is that I think if I'd not found coaching um, and, and not kind of found that personal development world, like I never would have kind of entered into the, the creative industry because I, I had like so many kind of beliefs and hang-ups about what 
I, you know, who I thought I was and what I thought was possible for me. And um, yeah, it's kind of opened up this whole other world of, of possibility. Um, yeah, and I think just it might be fairly helpful or maybe a little bit interesting to kind of share like why I made that transition from finance into yeah my own thing. So yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I weirdly I wanted to be in finance. I think I don't think there's anyone out there ever who's who's actually thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with some self-reflection, I realised it was actually my dad. He he, he mentioned like a handful of um, of uh, career choices that he thought would be really good and you know be really um, you know kind of well suited. And so I just picked out you know finance. So you know spent my life kind of working towards that. And luckily, I did enjoy it for for some of the years that I was in it. <laughs> but I, <laughs> wasn't some of the years <laughs> yeah. um but yeah i mean it, it got to the point where i was i felt like something big was missing i i didn't have passion for what it was i was doing i was i was living for the weekend um and you know not that there's anything wrong with that but it's you know there's, there's five days in the week and two days of the weekend and if you're constantly trying to get to the weekend to escape your five days at work, then <clears throat> that's not a very good way to, to live life, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and I also started getting an anxiety attacks, which was absolutely terrifying. Um, you know, somebody who was, was outgoing, liked to socialise, and yeah, just kind of lost that. I, I really just wanted to stay in because I, I was very kind of fearful uh, and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and then that led to the knock-on effect of that, led to um, a relationship breakdown, the girl I was living with at the time, she moved out, and yeah, I was just very, very much crushed and lost at that point, and I knew that something had to change, I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, uh, and that's how I come across coaching, and you know, since then, just haven't really kind of looked back, I, you know, it's obviously taken many different iterations to get to today, but um, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up getting to that point. That's amazing. But um, so many questions off that. But um, yeah, so so the, the coaching. How does your? Co I guess the first thing is kind of let's go through. Let's go into the coaching a bit. I'm really interested in this because obviously, as a coach myself, this is my. I've been trying to do this 12 months. Well, 12 months next month. So it's all very very new for me still, and I, I guess. Uh, I'm still very much learning as I'm going, which which is really exciting. It's been an exciting year. It's very, I feel I find it really rewarding. Like like there's been some times where I've been had shit days, and I've got to the coaching part of the day, and I'm like I'm really I'm really I'm buzzing it now because even though I've had a shit day, I'm still I'm buzzing to meet to speak to who, the people I'm coaching because it's so much fun, you know. Yeah, that gave me goosebumps as you mentioned that, and I think that's such a a cool piece of data piece of information that you know that it gives you that feeling it makes it really clear that you're on you know a really important path that's right for you yeah how does that so so let's so i guess you're working with djs and kind of on a life you know how what are the what are the kind of i want to ask i guess what what do they come to you for i guess is a question yeah Mm. Well, how do you how do you how do you how do you help them go forward? Yeah, so I try to work with people in two different ways. Um, mm -hmm. 
and that's not kind of segregating people. That's kind of there's two different fields that I work with each person with. And the first part is the inner world. So that's really looking at the mindset, the psychology, because it's such a, an important driving factor of any you know any uh, level of performance. So <clears throat> really looking at you know belief structures, uh, fears, confidence, that sort of stuff, and really ensuring that. You know, we're, we're breaking through the stuff that isn't helpful and we're creating new constructive thoughts and uh, behavioural patterns that enable somebody to, to really kind of maximise their potential. I think, importantly, you know, everybody, you know, everybody has a certain level of potential and I think, you know, the, the vast majority of cases, and don't know, I'm, I'm still operating well below where I think my, my true potential will be. Um, I think a lot of people are, are operating well below that. And I think that creates a really exciting opportunity for everyone, myself included, to, to keep growing, evolving and developing. But what it also does is <clears throat> if you've got, I'm a bit of a numbers guy, so say, you are your talent level is sorry your your potential level is 100 and yeah. you're and then somebody else out there their potential is 200 but if you're able to operate at 80 percent of your 100 that's 80 and if matey boy who's got the 200 potentials only operating at 40 percent you're actually going to be on the same level as them so we really have the opportunity to you know outperform people um, around us, regardless of the, the level of overall potential they've got, providing we're able to, to access um, that, that level of peak within us. Um, and then the other field is, that's more the external stuff, so that's actually creating strategies and plans um, which are custom made to the client uh, to really help them go out and achieve whatever it is they're aiming to achieve. That's, so, really, that's really cool, like I, I definitely think I'm underperforming on my potential but I definitely think I hold myself back as well, for sure. Yeah, and I think everybody, everybody has it, right? And the reason for that is, is multiple reasons, but one of the main reasons for that is all of the conditioning and the, the baggage that we carry from you know, the, the life that we've experienced to date. And if that stuff's kind of left unchecked and we don't kind of you know, heal it or overcome it or break through what we need to, then those previous experiences can actually shape and dictate how we behave in the current day, which, you know, it, 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 that's what can help us. Um, sorry, that's what gets us stuck, really. So, uh, so yeah, so there's one big game of self-awareness raising, firstly, because once you know what the challenges are and what the issues are and also what your strengths are, you can then start to apply... Um, various different strategies to you know to make that information work for you you either you know try to overcome the, the difficulties mm -hmm. and then try to leverage even further your skills and your talents yeah i definitely think like i'm going through i'm going through a load at the moment with my with my ex-wife and it's painful uh it's just painful some days to even get you know to just to think like thinking about it is painful and um it definitely like one of the things that annoys me about that whole situation is that are it, I spend a lot of time thinking about it because it is painful and I'm like, this is annoying. I just want to get on and I wish there was a way I could sort of go, right, I'll put that over there. I can't do anything with it now. It's just yeah. going to happen. It's just going to roll on until 
I've jumped through all the hoops and I've jumped through all the things and, and I can't do anything about it, but let's not let it affect my day because I need my day to be strong and, and going forward so that I've got, you know, all the, I've got my faculties firstly in place because it is so mentally challenging. Uh, and also I've still got a, you know, a, a livelihood and a, a business at the end of the day that, that can support my family at the end, you know? Yeah. And it's so hard. That it's just like, okay. And I just, I really do have to go, right, I'm going to, I'm going to, Give it five minutes of just going solid, of just being annoyed with it, or go for a walk and we have 20 minutes of going for a walk. And I find if I go for a walk for half an hour, I spend the first 10 minutes walking along, being really pissed off. And then the next 20 minutes, I'm like, right, now I'm going to do this in my day. And now I need to do this and now I need to do that. And it's, it's, it's amazing yeah. when, you, when you watch your thought patterns like that, that you just, how, 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 you're, how you kind of deal with stuff. Definitely. I mean, firstly, I'm really sorry to hear that you're going through that set of challenging circumstances um and I, I think it sounds like you know you've been really you know constructive with it and interestingly i'll you know probably shine a, a bit of a kind of a, a light-hearted um light on that so i'm not sure if you've ever seen like a dog or a um or a duck and so they might have like a little like altercation with another duck or another dog and then like they shake it off yeah. And you said like you go for your walk and like the first 10 minutes is basically, you know, actually shaking it off and getting out of the system. And it's actually, um, you know, like an evolutionary uh, purpose for, for them doing that. And so, you know, it sounds like that's a method that's working well for you. And that, you know, and to your point, like you have, um, evidently you've got self-awareness of what your difficulties are, what your challenges are and, and what techniques and strategies you're personally applying to help you move through it. Yeah, I find I'm finding exercise is I'm, I'm exercising so much at the moment because it's it, every time I get pissed off, I'm just like, I'll go and do something. I'll go for a walk. I'll I'll go and exercise. I'll do something. Then and, and like I say, I'll spend the first time it's going literally internally. And people, people walk past me and I just go, what "The hell's wrong with that guy?" And then and then after that, I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool. Okay, let's get on with this. Let's do this. Let's do that. I need to do that with my yeah. business." So I mean. I Emotion is like is actually energy emotion, like emotion. And uh, you know, if you're if, if anyone's kind of bottling that up, it's just getting lodged somewhere in your body and that, that kind of that, that negativity, it can't be doing good if it's lodged inside the body. So if you've got a way to externalize that in a constructive way, um, ultimately that's always gonna be really beneficial. So um, yeah, great work on that. Yeah, so that's the first thing. That's the first part. That was so. I'm, I'm so interested in all this, man. It's, it's like I literally could talk to you for hours about it. Uh, <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> right. So that's your first part. What's the second part? Let's let's listen to this. Let's hear it. Yeah. So, uh, what? Or going on to the music front? Because uh, you said there's two parts to your to what you the you, there's internal and then the external. I guess. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, the external is like the strategy and and the planning, and that's why. So my coaching. I'm not I'm not such a big fan of like these one size fits all systems uh, you know I think somebody's way of doing something can be very good for for them and, and a certain proportion of people but I feel like kind of principles and frameworks where they're a bit more adaptable and that you can apply them to someone's personal situation I feel like that's a more realistic way for somebody to kind of get the most out of something yeah and um yeah. so I, I, you know in, in the early part of my coaching days i really thought oh you know let's systemize this and 
you know, I thought that was the, the, the way that was going to go. And um, yeah, just as, as I've kind of progressed, I've, I felt like, you know what, no, I think a framework where, you know, I've got all of these different tools, it's called the six P's coaching framework, peak performance and wellbeing coaching framework. And it's split into these six um, sections and <clears throat> basically, you know, got tons of different exercises and strategies and tools that make up each of them. But I'm not going to go to someone and say, well, here you go, do all of these because not all of them are going to be relevant. Not all of them are going to fit for that particular person. And so, yeah, so the external world is really about trying to apply this framework in a way that they get, you know, the clients uh, get access to the right strategies and tools and plans for their particular world and for their particular set of challenges. Wow. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Like I've I've definitely found that from my from my coaching where I've where I've that's one of the things I've definitely learned over the twelve months that I kind of would do the similar stuff with similar people and then and then I'd get one go I'm not really getting much out of this I'm like okay I need to adapt I need to adapt how I teach you stuff because you obviously this these people obviously learn differently or they need it different said to them differently or they need we need to just how we work differently or and and I've definitely learned that myself from. Yeah, from the 12, from my first 12 months, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think it's great to have that level of openness and, uh, you know, humility of like not, not always having the answer straight away, but being willing to kind of go out there and, and find those answers. You know, there's stuff that will arise with my clients now that, you know, it's, it's something new, something fresh. And like, okay, like if I, if I don't have the tools in the toolkit to help <laughs> then, you know, it's part of my job is to try and find a way um, or if it does, if it kind of falls outside of my scope to be like you know, to refer them to the professional that they might need so yeah so for example if someone needed counselling and they start raising sort of like counselling type challenges um, it's not really appropriate for me to kind of deal with that and so yeah passing that on as and when um, is, a, is an important part of the process yeah that's a good that's good like um I know from I know I know I know myself I'm not like I'm from the from a mental health point of view I'm not very good at it I'm getting better at it I know that for a point of, for, because and anything like that I'll go right you probably need to speak to somebody that's definitely more qualified uh I'm more kind of this is how we do it kind of vibe you know <laughs> and, yeah uh, yeah passing stuff on to the right people is definitely I I completely agree with you yeah definitely um so yeah so that's kind of the how the framework uh, operates and yeah as, as I said kind of earlier in the call it's taken a lot of iterations to kind of get to this point um, and a key key driver of that really was you know a lot of people are unaware of what coaching is about and, and all of these different professions um, you know I still get people when they say oh you know what do you do for a living and they like, oh I'm a coach and they're like what you coach a sports team or you know something like that like it's there's really that kind of you know it's, it's not a, a particularly well-known thing particularly in the UK um, so yeah. it's still a very new business model, isn't it? It's still it's still a very very new business model. Yeah, I mean the Americans took the lead with it, and I think uh, Australia have always been a, a bit been a big adopter. Sorry, um, and yeah, I think it will make its way here in a in a more significant way um, over the coming years. I think there's this whole kind of stiff upper lip British mentality that still has to kind of be broken through uh, in order to. <laughs> Kind of see people adopt it, at, you know, at scale. But um, 
yeah, I really think in 10, 20, 30 years, like every, you know, almost everyone, if they have access to it, will work with some sort of professional because, you know, ultimately it, the brain is our biggest asset. And mm. if we're not really taking steps to look after that and to maximize it, you know, I, th I think that's a real danger. I think it creates a vulnerability. And also from a competitive standpoint, if you've got, you know, right now, if say, only 5% of people work with a coach or some other professional, then you've got the potential to try and outperform that other 95% of the market. Whereas in 10, 20, 30 years time, when, you know, 80% of people are actually, they've already got their coach, you know, it, it's going to be more difficult to, uh, you know, to outperform the market. And it, the, the great analogy for this is um, <clears throat> like social media, right? So back when social media first, uh, came on the scene, you know, can you imagine having a massive content strategy where there was no competition for the social media content pipelines? Yeah, Everyone yeah. would have been seeing your stuff. And so you're, you know, they call it land grab. Like that, that was a re very real opportunity. And so I, I kind of see the coaching world at that, you know, the early stages of that journey. You know, at some point the land grab will be complete complete and it'll be difficult for people to to really find men to the market so yeah that's uh that's that's, yeah. that's very interesting because i i know with the, i know i obviously went after data transmission went through the social media and i really really screwed it up and didn't get it right at all and missed out on loads of land grab and didn't get ads right and didn't get social media right right at the start and i'm like now i'm like Fuck, I, wish I'd, I wish i'd done that and i wish i'd done that and now and now i'm like Okay, it happened. Let's just let's just see where the next. And I can now fully, fully trying to be looking at the next things all the time, looking at the new platforms and trying to and trying to work out what those new land grabs are. So it's interesting you say that about coaching as well. Um, I actually spoke to another coach on Friday, and she was saying the same. That she's literally saying the same that she tells people and go and they go, "What's I, I don't yeah what's what coaching who like like you say coaching a sports team and I, yeah it's interesting that you're now saying that as well, which is cool. Yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm excited that it's it's starting to break through because, you know, ultimately it's something that really can benefit people's life, you know, both in their professional world, but also their personal life as well. And I think not enough attention and focus is placed on people being happy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of social benchmarks that we're told you know if you achieve this then you know you're deemed as being you know successful and you're doing well but I, I just don't understand why happiness isn't a key metric you know I think when we get to hopefully 90 100 years old and we're looking back like we surely want to have felt like we've been happy for as much yes. as, long as possible um, and so, yeah, I think coaching is also centered around that. And that makes it difficult to sell at times to people because, you know, people want the kind of, yeah, you know, what's the, the financial return on investment, the, the ROI. Mm -hmm. They're not like, oh, what's the happiness return? And what, you know, part of my mission is really to, to, to help people start thinking in a wider scope of what the return is. You've got return on you know, from a financial standpoint, you've got return in a happiness standpoint, you've got return in an education and learning and fulfillment, all these other aspects that need to kind of form a bigger part of the pie. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, because obviously some people just see return on investment as 
am I making more money? Am I getting more? For, for, for me, is am I getting more gigs? That's that's the that's that's the the big return on investment, I guess. And really, the happiness one should be right at the top, I guess. Yeah, and to, I mean that's probably something that's gonna maybe add some uh, some value to um, to your audience and like to kind of jump in there. You know, I think the getting the gigs is <clears throat> it's a it's more of a, a short term kind of metric as well because you can have a gig you know really big gig tomorrow but potentially it won't lead to anything else and so you you've had this great experience but it's not really done your career what you would hope it would do for it and so you know the whole the whole battle is really building your brand for the long run and you know i think that's why truly being committed to what it is you're doing and importantly you know, just really enjoying that journey of, of making it happen because if you're you know if you're getting upset and stressed and frustrated when things aren't going your way then you know to what we were saying earlier you're, you're going to be living in a state of you know unhappiness and, and discomfort whereas if you're you are able to enjoy that creation and that building phase no matter what's going on around you then you really are winning at life regardless of what the outcome ends up being yeah, I agree. I think for, I, I'm always of the mindset that I just want to continue building brand all of the time. Like, obviously, for me, Data Transmission is you now 12 years old this in February. Uh, my new brand's obviously building. My record, the label brand is building. And I, even if I make a small step forward in, in one month, that's still more brand built. And that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing for me is it's making sure those brands are going, even if it's tiny amounts, going forward. And building numbers and and building building awareness and I think the same with DJs they have to be they have to be thinking brand and especially especially as that as especially with the things like voice coming in where you, where everything is going to be brand where everything is an AI where everything is going to be brand if you yeah. it, it will be a case of get me some black jeans or get me some black you know or get me black so and so jeans that's that's the difference isn't it you're that you're having that brand awareness. Have, how I have, you know, can I play some house music or can I play so-and-so's house music, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, progress and not perfection, I really love what you were saying there about, you know, even if it's just the smallest amount of, you know, distance move forward in a week or a month or a day or whatever, um, that's, that's awesome because, you know, humans feel generally good if they're moving forward and they're making progress. And they feel shitty when they're stuck or they're, or they're regressing. And so if you're, if you're really able to focus on that concept of, yeah, I am, I am moving forward, I am growing, I am evolving, I am moving towards these ultimate, you know, bigger goals of mine, um, I think that's a really great way to do it. And, I, you know, obviously we chatted a bit before we went live with the, the podcast and, um, you know, I mentioned just yeah how awesome I think that you do with uh, you know, with your brands and and your ventures. Um, yeah, I think you know I've been very impressed, and I think you should be really proud of, um, of of all of that. And I'm really excited to see how your journey unfolds from here too. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been day transmission has been very hard. Has been, it was very good, and then it was very hard, and now it's and now it seems to be in a nice place again. It's like yeah. Uh, yeah. I've had a lot of years where I've, I, I had a lot of years where I've even like, I would look at other people, other, other, other similar brands and go, what are they doing? I should be doing similar stuff to them. And now I'm at the point where I don't really care what they're doing. I don't even look at what they're doing anymore. 
uh, I'm just doing what I want to do, and people seem to resonate with it, so it's cool. Yeah, and I think the same. I think the same should be with DJs. You should be, you know, I'm going to make this music because I love it. I'm going to put this music out because I love it. And if lots of people resonate with it, brilliant. Because then, then I've got. I'll get gigs and I'll get releases and I'll get audience and you know all those all that nice stuff. But at least at the same time, I'll be happy. Yeah, definitely. I think. You know, something that we can take that, uh, you know, a stage on um, the whole concept of like the thousand super fans. So if you're able to have a thousand super fans and, um, you know, they buy a lot of what it is you, you put out there, then you can have a, a, a sustainable career in music. And so, you know, I think it's so easy to get carried away with the vanity metrics of, you know, Facebook numbers and Instagram numbers and all of the rest of it, you know, I've certainly been guilty of it myself. Mm. Um, but when you actually kind of strip it back and think about what am I trying to achieve here? You're trying to build a meaningful relationship with an individual and then scale that up. And it's, it seems to have been flipped on its head. People are like trying to blast stuff out and hope that everyone resonates with it. Yeah. Rather than, start at the bottom and one by one build these meaningful relationships and so over time you're going to get to that thousand you know at some point so do you know do you know the thousand for the thousand fans i saw i saw something the other day i just read a book the other day called uh, it's called super fans and the thousand fans uh for those of people that haven't listened to don't know it's that basically if you've got a thousand fans and they give you a tenner a tenner a month you make a hundred grand a year essentially or 120 grand a year which is enough for most people to be happy on uh, but if you take that down even further, if you get one fan per day for three years, one real fan, that's a thousand fans. Yeah, wow. And there you have it, like a framework where, you know, it's very manageable. You could go out and message people, you know, directly, really strike up a, you know, a proper relationship and proper conversation. One person a day. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, once I heard that, I was just like, "Wow, I'm, that's <laughs> that's so easy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it shifts the perception a lot, um, and I hadn't heard it framed that way before. Yeah, that's that's been a, a mind opener for me as well. Yeah, like and even if you wanted to do three a day, that's then that's obviously a year, but one a day for and most. But I find with business as well, most businesses, most thing in business takes you three years. Whatever you're trying to do, it always takes about three years to get to the to the peak part of it. And yeah. then, and then, if it gets to, it gets to the end of three years and it's peak, then you're and you're flying. Then it, and it, otherwise, it's maybe you should rethink it. You know, yeah. If it's not doing yeah. it by the end of three years, it should be yeah. Let's why is it not working? Or maybe I should re- stop doing it and start something else. You know. Yeah, and I think the the ability to, to be able to pivot, like as a, you know, as a an entrepreneur or as an artist, is really important. Like in, in whatever your endeavor is, you know, being willing to kind of take a back step and be like, okay, I've been at this for a while now and it doesn't seem like my strategy is quite right. What do I need to do in order to, you know, change it up and, and get my strategy right? But importantly, still in, <clears throat> that's still in line with my values and my, you know, my sense of who I am and what's going to make me happy. I'm not talking about, you know, just changing to get the end result at mm. any cost. It's all about, you know, changing and still doing what it is that's going to make you happy so um yeah i think that's i think that's a really good skill set to 
try and learn and, and adopt at some point. Um, I guess I wanted to ask you about, obviously you've been coaching for, like say, for a while. Um, I guess I wanted to ask you about coaching and your biggest tips for myself on on what you've learned from coaching and what you're what uh, I maybe should be wary of as a coach and as a new coach. Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, I think you know, kind of as you you know as you kind of continue on your journey, looking to build your framework. So you know something where it's a, a container for you mm-hmm. to you know, kind of share with people what it is you're all about. So, you know, a, a problem I had for a long time was like, I knew how good coaching was, but then I've only got, you know, 10 minutes at a networking event or, you know, 45 minutes on a discovery call to really explain <clears throat> what it's about. And, you know, sometimes that's not really enough. And I think to, to be able to actually have something that's tangible and quantifiable in this, you know, package container can be really helpful so um yeah i think that's a a really good thing to kind of bear in mind and you know i only i only actually packaged mine up um you know probably about a year ago um you know i had all this stuff in my head but it didn't really wasn't able to kind of translate it particularly well when i was trying to tell people what it was all about so that that made me feel a lot a lot better a lot more and it positioned me better as well you know in terms of when people come to you know a website or you know other pieces of content they're like okay yeah he's the six p's guy or oh yeah this is what he's offering yeah so i think that's a really good um kind of a tip i think yeah also just you know trying to marry up the, the two kind of you know have your future outcome in mind so you know thinking about where you want it want to get it to and then you know, thinking about the why. So, you know, what the drivers are, what the motivators are, what's really kind of exciting you about it. So, you know, that's what, you know, it sounds like you've already really G'd up for it anyway. Mm. Um, I think it's really good to have that at the forefront of your mind, um, especially when you have those days where, you know, things are, you know, not going according to plan and the shit's hitting the fan. You're like, oh, my fuck, can't be asked for this right now. Um, <laughs> and then you can reference this big why, you want, why you're wanting to do this and uh, it can really give you that emotional juice that you need um, in, in the moment. Amazing. Cool. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you, what are your six Ps? I was going to ask you, I just... Uh, I... Uh, okay, cool. So the first one is uh, psyche and psychological well-being. So... Yeah. That's mostly, you know, that, that inner world stuff that we spoke about. Yeah, earlier. yeah, yeah. And it's actually, you know, one of the biggest parts of the framework. Uh, number two is precision. So that's where we get real clarity around, you know, what your life looks like currently, clarity on who you are, clarity on what it is that you're wanting to work towards. Uh, third is performance and productivity. So here we kind of look at the tools and strategies that we can overlay. Uh, to make sure that we're getting the most out of the out of ourselves. Uh, number four is uh, physical, uh, so physical well-being. So <clears throat> we've got something called the Pairs Health Model, which is um, you know basically going into details about how we get the most out of ourselves from a physical standpoint, making sure that our health is looked after. Um, you know, I think this is we look at it from the, the long term, right? We don't want to just be able to access our peak for six months and then burn out we want to be able to access our peak 
for the rest of our lives. And so that's why looking at the, the physical and the mental side is so important. Um, the fifth P is um, prosperity. So that's all kind of like wealth and finances and, and that side of things. Mm-hmm. One is people. So um, kind of you know, looking at improving people skills, you know, building rapport, um, you know, getting clear on like networking strategies and that type of stuff. Wow, that's really cool. I love all of that. I love, uh, yeah, I love all that. Especially love the uh, kind of pres- keeping yourself mentally healthy and looking after yourself. I know I know there's a lot of people in the industry that have got that have uh, now coming out and going staying sober and being sober and kind of looking after their body. I know lots of DJs, uh, heavy heavy touring DJs, are now you know keeping themselves clear and clean and just kind of being able to push themselves because they have got such heavy schedules. So, yeah, it's really yeah. important. It's great to see that there has been a shift um, to that. You know, absolutely no judgment, like, if people aren't. And, you know, I still love to go out and party and all the rest of it. Um, really thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and, you know, and even when I'm you know, out playing, um, you know, I still like to have a, a few beers. But I think it's being mind, just, you know, it's, it's down to the individual. It comes down to that self-awareness again, you know. Mm. Um, you know, being mindful of, you know, how much is a good level for you and how much is too much, how much is actually, you know, if you have passed a certain point, how, how much is that impacting your ability to perform on the night and also, you know, the recovery time for the next, you know, two, three, four days, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's an important part of the journey. Um, and I think that, you know, to circle back to, you know, when I was, um, you know, in finance, like I, this whole concept of living for the weekend, I mean, I used to go out like, you know, four nights a week, <laughs> you know, it was, it, the story that I told myself at the time was, you oh, know, this is fun, it's great, like I'm socialising, like living the dream, but in actual fact, like, whilst, of course, some of those times were great and I've got some amazing memories from, from that time, but some of those times were actually just about escapism and, and actually like a coping mechanism to, to deal with um, and probably suppress some of the, you know, the shit that I had going on in my life that I wasn't properly facing. I wasn't getting the, you know, the help that I needed to work through it. And so, yeah, that was the coping mechanism that, that I chose. So, um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's good that there's kind of this awareness now about the, the kind of the longer term impact of, um, of uh, yeah, of alcohol. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's talk about Little Festival. Okay. Let's, 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 uh, let's move on to music and, and DJing and, and record labels and all that sort of jazz. Let's, uh, let's just chat about Little Festival. How, you, how, so you mentioned that started a while back. Is there still four of you that run it now or is there? Uh, no, so Ollie's moved on. Yep. Um, so there's still, Myself, Mark, and Alex. Yeah, uh, we've promoted Nick Sheehy, who um, he he was co-running the label with Rui. Yep. Uh, excuse me. And um, yeah, he was just he'd been really. He just Nick had just been so hands-on, so kind of you know, it was just a proper graft these through thick and thin, and we really felt like we wanted to reward his his kind of his efforts and. Uh, yeah, give him more of a leadership type role. So he's kind of up to uh, assistant director now, which is which is awesome, and he's been doing some great stuff. Um, and then Ruben has been working on the marketing 
side. He's, you know, he was a great addition to the team. Very knowledgeable, um, you know, fun and charismatic guy. Um, as I mentioned, Rui, Rui co-runs the label. Um, and then we've got um, two new joiners, actually, who came on the last couple of weeks. So we've got Luke, <coughs> who's going to be working on helping us develop the brand side of things um, and community management, because I think that's something that we've really not performed well on. Mm. Um, and then Harriet, it's an interesting story how Harriet came into the team, which I'll share in a minute. But um, So she's going to be helping with like social media, like content, strategy and also some like business business development with our um our media platform that we've got so ruben actually met harriet on the disco bus from uh san antonio <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah literally like three weeks later like she's a member of the team and, and really smashing it already so um yeah something serendipitous about that <laughs> i love that i i got, actually got my first job in music from meeting someone on the dance floor uh, really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I suppose, I don't know if you know, I used to do the, all the websites for Turnmills Nightclub. Oh, no, I didn't know that. And um, so I was at Turnmills for the last five years of the club, and basically the Turnmills website was absolutely diabolical. And I, ter- and, and I was talking to this guy on the dance floor, and I was like, and he was like, and I go, oh, the Turnmills website shit, isn't it? And he went, he goes, that's it. And I went, yeah, it's awful. I don't even know how we got to that point. I just remember me saying, it's shit. <laughs> and, he, and he goes, hi, I'm Danny. I own the club. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. uh, he goes, can you do better then? And I was like, yeah. And then basically I got the job from from just telling me his website was shit on the dance floor. Amazing. I, I, you know, I think that just shows you like honesty is, is the best honesty. <laughs> But yeah, and then and then it was fortunate that someone was leaving, the person that was doing it was leaving, and and then I worked there for the last five years basically because because I told him that it was rubbish. <laughs> so yeah, I can I can I can fully love that there you found somebody on a disco bus. I I love that. <laughs> yeah, and that's an exciting bit of life, you know, where opportunities can literally come out of you know seemingly nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, all it takes is you know one one conversation, one one interaction, one person, and it can change the direction of something. Um, so you're still doing parties at three three eight. So we had a run of shows last year and started this year. Um, really proud of what we achieved there. Um, you know, it was a big step up for us um, mm-hmm. from what we've been doing before. Uh, we did Steel Yard, then we we had a sharp block, um, which was a sellout, which was you know, kind of a good, a good confidence booster um, going into free freight. And um, yeah, like we we were pulling in over a thousand on a Friday and ordinarily the club is actually shut on a Friday. So we, we were really happy with that. Um, but what we, we just decided to take a bit of a break. And that's why we've been a little bit quiet, um, you know, kind of over the summer. Just to kind of, there's two kind of main things we were doing. One was, the internal changes. So, as I mentioned earlier, like you know, Ollie's moved on, and we needed some, some new people to come on board to really execute at a good enough level to to really kind of achieve our goals um, in you know what is a very competitive market. Um, yeah, and also to to refine the business model a bit. You know, we spoke earlier about being able to pivot and adapt. <clears throat> And London is, you know, I think I think electronic music in general is, is a very competitive market, but I think London event space is very, very crowded. There's, you know, some some really, you know, big players who are incredible at what they do. 
um, and naturally that kind of hoovers up a lot of the demand. Um, and so, yeah, like looking at how do we create a, a more balanced business model that's not just focused on uh, events, which can be, you know, you can have an event and, you know, it sell out and, you know, you'd be dancing around like the Pied Piper, or you can, you know, have a, an absolute shocker and it can be, you know, really detrimental to the mm. business. Oh, so that's that's what we've been kind of busy working on behind the scenes, and the hope is that we're gonna we're looking to hopefully have another event in March or April next year. You know, the whole team's kind of gagging for it. We absolutely, you know, we miss it <laughs> so much. Um, and whilst it's yeah, it's of course you know stressful the whole you know the whole kind of journey of putting on an event. Um, that, that you know it's something that brought us all together in the first place, and uh, yeah, really excited to get back on that. Uh, in the very near future. I remember when I came to one in, and you just, you go to town, the production, it's incredible, the amount of effort you put into the venue and decor and madness that goes on. It was, <laughs> it was, it was impressive, man. Ah, oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a few iterations to get to that point. I remember the first party was on the Tamasa Stock in Vauxhall. It's a little, like, board boat. It's probably holds about 100 people. And we were, we were so naive, like we, we booked the space, we took some DJ kit down there, set up a Facebook event, and we just literally thought that people would flock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, nothing could, it could have been further from the truth. Um, and I think at that event we had like four inflatables and yeah, like two garlands. But yeah, it's been, it's been a fun journey, stressful at times, but a really fun journey and, you know, to, to, to try and carve out a little bit of a space for the product, um, you know, to get where we are now. We actually went for a big rebrand re in 2017, I think it was, um, where, so we started off with like the more like crazy, silly fun, mm. uh, like inflatables, like big confetti shots and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, we, then we kind of got told, oh, have you heard of this brand called Elro? We're like, no, like, wow. <laughs> and we researched, we're like, oh my God, like, they, they are doing such an amazing job in that sphere. Like, we don't want to be the poor man's Elro. So, yeah. We started to look more at like the, the technology. So, you know, how could we up the technology game? Um, and uh, and then also shifted the, the actual decor. So, going more down like the Bohemian uh, sort of vibe. Yes, I think when did I come? I think it was in 2017. Yeah, it was a steel yard one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good there. It was cool. Hmm. I love that venue. It's a really cool space. Yes, that's the first. I think that's the first and the only time I've been there. But I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it was good. I can't remember what it was. It was a long time ago. I need to come to another one. So next year, so the next, so the chat, so that's good. So what? So your the next party will be March, April. Uh, the record label is going strong. I know we just premiered one of the tracks from a load of people. I think it was like four artists on it. So, which was yeah, cool. yeah. Um, I mean, Nick and Marie have done a great job with the label. Um, they, you know, they're very autonomous. To be fair, like they they just crack on with it. They, you know, they do what they need to do. And you know, we rarely seem to have any operational challenges. <laughs> they need our input, which is which is really good. Fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, unlike the rest of the business. Um, but no, they they've done uh, an incredible job, and I'm really proud of 
for both of them. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing how that kind of evolves over the next year that, you know, they've got some good traction. We've got a good mixture of, you know, more established artists um, mm. on the label. And also, you know, we, we really love, you know, trying to bring on board new talent. Um, and we're just trying to do more of that in the future and perhaps try and, you know, as, as the label does continue to grow, hopefully, um, you know, get some bigger, you know, even bigger names on to, to help kind of expand the profile of the label, which will then enable us to, to help the, the up and coming artists and get them more exposure. Yeah, I think yeah. we're 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 at a similar point with Shanghai. We're kind of we've got a load of ex- cool cool young artists. Loads of them are, are getting picked up by like their, their next releases. They're getting picked up for by River Hopulate and Hot Creations and you know Relief and and they're kind of we're we're literally starting to be that stepping stone where they're where they're getting coming on us and then in the next release they're going on someone bigger. So it's we now need that next that next level of artists where it just pulls in a few more people and makes the label stand up, stand up a little bit more and we can start doing our own parties, you know? Yeah, definitely. And that's great. You know, you should be hugely proud of, you know, getting the label to that point and positioning it in that way. And that's, you know, that's almost like a selling point in itself, right? To be able to, you know, put that in front of people, both, you know, established and, you know, and up and coming. Mm. Um, as a, as to be a great destination to release music. Yeah, exactly. Cool, man. We're up to yeah. about now. We're up to about an hour, which is cool. Is that an hour already? Nearly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I guess. I guess. Let's. Let's. Um, I guess we can just end. Have you got any closing thoughts you want to uh, for artists uh, as a coach, as a kind of a mentor? What's your 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 either your biggest the biggest things you tell artists or the biggest things that you kind of I've learned from coaching artists and they uh, need to watch out for. Yeah, um, I made sure to go down a couple of just key points that if they didn't come up during the, the podcast, just that I'd be able to Amazing. mention them. Um, and yeah, I think even if they have come up, maybe a good opportunity just to summarise um, and kind of re reiterate. But um, yeah, I think the, the first one really is that, um, yeah, the, the way that we feel really really matters and so the whole concept of enjoying what you do and not just the not just enjoying the gigs you know and that you know that's kind of the stuff the shiny stuff that you're getting from the fruits of your labor really enjoying that building of your empire brick by brick so that you know the downloading a new plugin you know adding a new strategy into your social media you know get to the point where you can bring someone on like all of these you know, really, you know, their wins and their progresses. And so that really needs to be enjoyed and celebrated. Um, and so, yeah, really enjoying that that building phase of creating your vision. Um, and something like a, a really good um, analogy of that is, you know, thinking about your favourite movie or, like, your favourite box set, right? If there was no story or journey, like, it would be the shittest movie ever, right? There, there would be no, <laughs> there's nothing to it. Um, or, or there isn't even a movie at all. Um, and so, you know, I think, yeah, really, really kind of recognizing that life is a journey and a, and a story and really, you know, it, it's there to be enjoyed and to be embraced. Um, that's kind of the, the, the fluffier stuff, um, but I really believe in that. I really value that. Um, in terms of the more kind of practical stuff, I think, 
you know, looking at you know, this three-stage model, uh, getting absolute clarity on what your ideal future outcome is. So what is it that you're really working towards? What is it you want to achieve? Um, second step, looking at what, you know, what your why is, what's driving you, why do you really want this? And it, it has to be, I feel like it has to be more than like, oh, because it's the cool thing to do, because, you know, maybe one day it won't be cool. And so you, you need something that's really going to emotionally and physically drive you to, to carry on when that fades away. Um, and yeah, and then get clear on what your, you know, what your plan is. Like the plan is going to be adaptable and you're going to have to kind of pivot and change as time progresses and you get more information and more data coming in that you can analyze. But um, yeah, really having, you know, a semblance of a plan of how you're going to make that future outcome um, a reality. So um, yeah, and I think the other one would be, and perhaps this is, you know, again, a little bit fluffy, um, hopefully not, but you know, really thinking about like the, the timeframes that we're working to, right? So, you know, I, if somebody who is super successful took a snapshot of where my business is right now and how I'm doing right now, like they would be a success. Whereas like my perception of what I've achieved today, even though it's miles away from where I want to be, I still view that as success and progression and, and progress to work to that point. And I'm trying to think in 10, 20, 30 year timeframes, you know, you, you want to, it, it's great to have that kind of long-term outlook um, and, and almost like a marathon type approach to your goal or your goal. But then for in the day to day, you want to be trying to move fast, right? You want to be, you know, kind of really hustling and high energy and really trying to do as much as you can. So um, it's almost a bit of a paradox that you've got these long and short-term approaches. But I think when you, when you balance the two, it really can help pull them both together, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. I know, I know my, I've got a couple of big games and I know that they're, they're very long-term goals and everything I do in between is, is to basically trying to hit those two big, probably, there's probably two really big goals. And, uh, and that's the real aim for for everything, essentially. Yeah. And I, I only really like because well, when I got to the end, of, when I got to ten, the end of ten years of data transmission, I was like, right, that's ten years done. What do I want to achieve in the next ten years with it? And where do I want it to be? In? So when it gets to twenty years, you know, and you look yeah. at places like Defective, where we're just in twenty or twenty, whatever they're on now, twenty twenty years. What and look at the, what they've achieved, and where do I want to be when I get to twenty years? And you know. Yeah. And looking at those long-term plans, you know? Yeah. Because when you start to dig behind those stories, um, I know we're you know, drawing it to a close, um, but yeah, the, when you start to look behind these long-term stories of, of people's successes and brand successes, like you always realise that, or nearly always realise that they had a shit ton of, you know, issues and, you know, you know, near collapses and all the rest of it to actually get to where they wanted to be. I, I remember reading... Um, Simon Dunmore's story, um, and I, I won't go into detail on just in case I like <laughs> I don't say it accurately. But it, I remember just it being incredibly inspiring that he was so so committed to making it happen that you know he he um, he did whatever it took to get to that point, and that's going to be the case with every success story, whether it's you know you know defective, whether it's drum code, whether it's ASOS, you know you you know. Like there's going to be this, this story and um, I think they can be a huge source of inspiration and motivation to people when they're on their own journey. Agreed.
Thank you very much, man. Thanks for joining uh, me. You're very welcome. That's I had good. an absolute fun. Thank you so much for having me. That's right. It was great fun. And um, thanks for joining me here. Wicked. All right. Well, have a great day and I'll uh, see you, you again soon. See you, man. See you in a bit. Bye-bye. I could have spoke to Dan for ages. I definitely learned lots from him and really enjoyed that chat. If you're enjoying it loads and you join these podcasts loads, please can you subscribe, drop us a comment on iTunes, rating, subscribe on Spotify. It really does mean the world. It means that we go up the chart and I get some bigger guests um, and it reaches more, helps reach more and more people and it helps more DJs get further in the music industry. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time. Bye.